Welcome to the Success Matters podcast series with Christopher Helmrath, where business leaders share how their organizations created successful strategies for long-term viability. Welcome to Success Matters, a podcast series featuring business leaders and their stories of managing organizations through change. While tick gums doesn't spend the day blowing bubbles, its gums are found in everything from donut glaze and ice cream to nearly all beverages. Tick gum strength comes from providing texture and stabilization solutions to meet the needs of the demanding food and beverage industry. Tick Gums was established in 1909 and is operated by the third generation of the Andon family, which has owned the company since 1949. The company is a leading U.S. provider of hydrocolloids, thickeners, used in the food, beverage, and nutraceutical industries. Their products, including acacia, agar, guar, and pectin, come in powder, spray dry, and prehydrated forms and are shipped to customers worldwide. The company has facilities in the United States, Asia, and Mexico, and agents or stock locations in Australia, Europe, and South America. The core value propositions of Tick Gums is focused on four pillars, technical expertise, a wide portfolio of solutions, responsiveness, and ease of doing business. The mission of Tick is to help customers achieve their product application goals more efficiently. They believe fundamentally that the customer experience matters. It is a differentiator in attracting new customers and retaining existing business. At their state-of-the-art R&D facility in White Marsh, Maryland, Tick has a dedicated team of food scientists who work hand-in-hand with their customers to develop unique solutions which improve the appearance, stability, and emulsification properties of foods and beverages. Each year, Tick Gums completes hundreds of customer technical requests at no cost. These investments in the long-term relationships with a potential or existing customer truly sets Tick apart. At their facility in Bellcamp, Maryland, Tick Gums converts the raw materials they use into finished form. The solutions needed for the evolving food market are becoming more and more sophisticated, with most requiring precise blends of a number of raw materials. Tick has differentiated themselves in the marketplace by developing a wide portfolio of products, including patented solutions for applications in the beverage, dairy, confection, and nutraceutical markets. My name is Chris Helmrath, and I'm the managing director of the SCNH Group, and I am the host of this podcast. Today, I am really pleased to be talking with Brian Briggs, Chief Operating Officer at Tick Gums. He is helping to lead the 107-year-old company through another round of significant growth and change. Brian has been at Tick for nearly three years and has built his career on helping to drive businesses through transformations, including merger and acquisition activity, initial public offerings, and rapid organic growth. Brian, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Chris. Awesome. Hey, Tick has gone through some rapid and transformational growth and continues to do so. Why do you think that's happening? It is very unique to see a 107-year-old company, you know, kind of be as entrepreneurial as TIC is. Uh, We've doubled in size over the last five years and are building and executing on a strategy that will see us do that over the next five years as well. Uh, There's a number of key drivers that are causing this growth led by the ongoing changes that are occurring in the food, beverage, and nutraceutical markets. The space continues to evolve with customers valuing products that are organic, natural, and have clean or clear labels. 
With our deep knowledge of how gums work uh, within end applications, TIC is in a unique position to help our customers launch new products, reformulate existing products uh, to meet those clean label requirements. Our extensive knowledge of product applications and our historical use of natural products has been a key driver in our recent accelerated growth. Uh, acacia gum, as an example, is the tree sap of an acacia tree in Africa. Guar gum is the seed of a guar plant, primarily from India. Our dedication to on-the-ground supply chain management of these naturally growing products allows us to ensure organic and food safety compliance, which is huge to our end customers. Uh, the focus on food safety combined with the need for clean and clear labels has become a global trend that's really helped our growth as TIC is recognized in the food ingredient space for our innovation, food safety, quality, and customer service. So as food companies have adapted internationally to these trends, they've looked at us not only to be their domestic partner, but also internationally as well. Domestically, we've seen more and more of our end customers and competitors reduce their investment in innovation and R&D. We've kind of taken the opposite approach to that and invested more heavily in these areas, allowing us to truly become a partner with our customers by fulfilling this valuable function for them. As you mentioned in the introduction, we believe strongly that the customer experience matters. We live this every day in everything we do, from investing in our innovation centers to ensuring a single bag of materials gets air freighted to a customer tomorrow if necessary. Our focus on doing whatever it takes to meet or exceed our customers' expectation has really been the key underlying factor in our growth. You know, Brian, if, if you step back and you think of all the things going on, because you are truly an international company, you've got change occurring externally, and you probably also have change occurring internally. How do you manage through both of those changes occurring, which must be truly dynamic. It is very dynamic, and, and, and it's a challenge. And, and uh, obviously, you know, to me, one of the more exciting things that I get to do in, in my career is kind of managing through that change process. Um, you know, going through change uh, such as rapid growth is always a challenge for a business, and it's been especially true here at TIC as we moved from being a relatively small company to being a mid-sized international company. Um, you know, during the transformation, one of the key things is you have to find that right balance between bringing in too much process and structure and not bringing enough. Um, it's a, there's an art and a science to it. Uh, if you bring too much process and structure, the entrepreneurial spirit of the business is damaged and you can kind of lose your edge. Uh, if not enough is put in place, the business can't effectively scale and loses its edge by beginning to disappoint customers. Uh, so if you don't bring enough process in place, you end up a little bit like the wild, wild west. Uh, you know, finding that right balance can't always be determined scientifically uh, or through analysis. Um, I find one of the best ways to determine the right balance is to take a step back and observe what's going on in, in your business. Uh, where are those bottlenecks occurring and why? Is it because there's too much bureaucracy? Then throttle back a little bit on the process, uh, push for processes. Uh, is the bottleneck created by not having a process, not really sure where to escalate an issue, no decision point? Uh, if that's the case, then work on trying to put a process in place. Um, also, listen to your customers, your suppliers, and your employees. They'll, they'll, they'll really tell you how you're going through this transformation and are you bringing too much process or not enough. Uh, change is always difficult, so you want to dig deeper than that initial feedback. Um, if you hear a customer say, you're not as responsive as you used to be, 
answer a few follow-up questions or ask a few follow-up questions to try to get to the root cause of it. Uh, when you talk to your team internally and things are, are uh, jammed up a little bit, one of the easiest answers from the team is that we've put too many processes in place. And that may be the correct answer, uh, but maybe it's not. Uh, it could be that you have the right processes in place, but maybe you don't have enough people to make those work effectively. Maybe you don't have the right kind of people. Uh, so finding this balance is an art, but it's one that you constantly have to manage. Um, but being directionally correct in this, I think, is, being, is better than being specifically incorrect or specifically correct. Uh, directionally correct will allow you to move the business forward while you work on refining that precision of the balance. Uh, by actively managing this aspect of growth, you'll be able to make timely adjustments and not let your business get too far off track one way or the other. I, I know from having talked to you in the past and you just even highlighting it here, the right type of people are so critical to making sure that you can achieve that customer intimacy that you've been able to achieve at TIC. So culture is truly critical. And we've all read Collins's book, and we know about the, getting the right people on the bus. But how have you worked with the family to make sure that you've got the right teams, the right entrepreneurial spirit, and the right employees in the right place to be able to achieve the success you've achieved? It's another you know, key area going through transformation. And, and that evolution of your team uh, is a critical component of it. Um, you know, as the business transforms, your team must do so as well. You know, ideally, you're able to grow and develop your existing team to, to help navigate through the change. Um, you know, team members that I've really seen be successful during change uh, is they're, they're comfortable working outside of their comfort zone. Um, you know, change will cause people to feel uncomfortable. It, it, you know, it's, it's what they know. It's, it's what they're used to. So change, change makes them feel uncomfortable. But by feeling slightly uncomfortable, employees get the opportunity to make decisions, go into new areas, and I think they grow both professionally and personally. Um, some of my best team members over my career have been people who seize that opportunity that growth creates and have navigated through it, being outside of their comfort zone. You know, other team members, they get overwhelmed when they're working outside of their comfort zone. Uh, many times it's due to the fact that their skill set was a good fit for what the business used to be. Uh, or what it was at a certain point in time, but maybe you're not a good fit for the role going forward. Uh, maybe they were good in their role, but not ready to take on a management position. Uh, they may have been a good manager for a small group of people, but really aren't ready to handle a larger team or one that's spread out geographically or internationally. Um, if these employees are really valuable to the organization, uh, maybe a transition from a manager role to an individual contributor role uh, may be the answer that's best for the company and for them personally. You know, as the company evolves, the skill sets and the experiences that are needed change as well. Uh, another management art is figuring out the right balance for your transformation team. On one hand, you have a bunch of existing employees who understand your culture, what it took to get you where you are, and have highly valuable institutional knowledge. On the other hand, you have new employees with different experiences, including sometimes at much larger companies, and a whole new set of ideas. Ideally, you're able to create that perfect marriage between these two groups and develop a balanced team to take the company to the next level. You know, if you try to rapidly transform your business with all existing employees, you can miss out on experiences that managers from other larger businesses can bring to the table. You can end up recreating the wheel or going through issues that easily could have been avoided. If you try to build a whole new team of managers, you run the risk of alienating your existing employee group. 
you can you know also needlessly damage the company culture and kind of lose that knowledge of what you put in, what puts you in a position to grow uh, to begin with. Um, you know, as that business as the business you know transforms, your people tend to go through a business maturity curve of their own a bit. Um, in most of the small businesses I've ever been associated with, employees tend to be utility players, wearing lots of hats and having a hand in all parts of that business. Uh, as the business grows and matures, you know, the need for specialization starts to occur. Uh, for example, someone may have started out handling customer service issues as part of their job, but as the business has grown, there becomes a need for a full-time customer service person. Employees who value that uh, utility player type of role may find that focusing on one area of the business seems to put them in a silo or taken away some of their power. Being aware of this challenge and addressing it head-on by talking to employees about the business needs up front can help alleviate some of these issues associated with the evolution. You have employees who adapt well to change and become subject matter experts in certain areas of your business. Others will not want to have these more constrained roles. As the business continues to grow and scale and mature, you tend to see areas of the business becoming more internally focused and silo-like. As that begins to occur, that skill set that a utility player has to understand how to manage across multiple areas of the business and how to reach across departments to make things work becomes invaluable. You know, Brian, in your career, I know you've run now a couple of international entities, but this being the first that's still really 100% family-owned, what are some of the lessons that you've learned in your career that our listeners could truly learn from? I think one of the lessons uh, certainly learned over the last few years at TIC is to make sure that you have good partners. Uh, TIC is extremely loyal to its suppliers, its professional service firms, and other business partners, and it's a very admirable trait and one that we try to continue to maintain. Uh, But as with your employees, as the business evolves, the skill set and expertise uh, you need from your business partners must, uh, must evolve as well. Um, in many cases, your existing partners can step up and provide different services or at a different service level, different expertise, but they must be managed to do so. Uh, in other cases, the expertise needed to navigate international business, mergers and acquisitions activity, and rapid growth needs to come from new, more experienced partners. Uh, one downside I've seen in some of the private-owned businesses that I've dealt with is that many times the management has been in that business for a long time and may never have seen what great looks like in some cases uh, and stay with the status quo a little bit too long because they seem okay. Um, you know, One of the great upsides of the family-owned business is this ability to take a longer-term view on strategy and investments uh, than public company companies previously, private equity-backed companies, and so on. Uh, And in those companies, you run the risk of of quarteritis or trying to focus on too short of a planning horizon. Uh, Being private and family-owned, we've been able to kind of focus on a solid strategy and make investment decisions without worrying about how the market will perceive the move or whether or not the market sees enough return this quarter. The longer-term view has been refreshing, but you also need to ensure that your business maintains a sense of urgency to execute on strategy. That is where not having the pressure of a public market or PE firm can be a negative. As with most of what we talked about today, you have to find the right balance. You know, Brian, you hit on something just a couple minutes ago, and I'm going to ask you to expound on it. If you were standing in a room full of privately held businesses that have been longtime family held, 
and you reference the fact that so oftentimes management truly hasn't seen what great looks like. And it's easy to stay within the status quo too long because it feels good. What are some of the tools that you would encourage them to think about or to utilize to help them to think or see what could this become? Because what I have is good, but wow, what could great feel and look like? Uh, it's a great question. I think, you know, one of the key things that, uh, again, sometimes I've seen with privately owned businesses uh, is that you're so embedded in your business that you, to some degree you get some blinders on. Um, so I'd highly encourage people to get out and do networking. Um, again, I know it's a pain. I know there's never time for it, but uh, sometimes it's good to just kind of push away from the table and, and walk away from your business and, and, and go spend some time over cocktails or in a session, just kind of get a chance to talk to other people, see what they're doing. Um, you know, you, you can learn new things to say, hey, that's a great idea. I'd like to try that. Uh, you can hear new things and go, wow, we conquered that a long time ago. I'm glad we don't have to go through that process again. Uh, but I think through that networking type of process, uh, you get to meet new new people, new firms, uh, new resources. And, uh, again, when you do decide you may want to make some change, uh, you don't have to recreate the wheel. You know, some, some, some good references are already out there for you to deal with. Uh, I certainly think that's a, a, a good feedback. I think trying to take time during the course of the week or the month to try to see what else is going on out there in the world, whether it's uh, you know looking on uh, online with what firms are publishing as far as information, whether it's looking at uh, you know Harvard Business Review, different things like that. I think uh, with the digital age today, there's a lot of information very easily at our fingertips. Uh, so I think that would be important, and you know, kind of wherever possible. I think trying to get out uh, on occasion, maybe attend a training class at uh, you know at a, at a university, or or again, just get outside of your own business and kind of see what other people are doing. You know, you bring a, a very unique perspective, I think, to the table, having played a an important role in several international companies some which have been public, some which have been privately held, some which have been private equity backed. And from you, those perspectives in your career, even as a service provider, what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned that you find you apply in your day-to-day? Or again, if you were advising a company owner or management team, that you would really make sure that you emphasized? Um, I think there's a lot of lessons, um, you know, a lot of ones that, I, that I've learned. They may sound like cliches, but I, I believe firmly in those. Um, again, I, I you know, jotted, down, jotted down a few thoughts here and haven't taken the time to see if any of those uh, are attributable to other people. So uh, any similarity is not intentional. So, um, But I believe strongly in building and developing great teams, uh, sharing a vision and then getting out of the way and let them do their jobs. Um, I really believe that especially as senior managers, uh, management people, as executives, um, again, it, it is about building teams and, and putting the right people together. Uh, that, that's much more of a valuable skill set than any specific technical attribute or, or, or skill set that I have had. Um, you know, I, I believe that, uh, you know, you, you build that team, you, you, you know, share that vision with them and, and just let them go do their job. Um, I've also found that if I have a great team, I can execute even on a mediocre business plan and, and achieve great results. Um, but I've also seen where there's great business strategies in place, but they fail uh, because the team was mediocre. So 
any day I'll take a great team and we'll make something great happen. Uh, you know, if, if you've got a great business but a poor team, you know, the end result over the long term is not going to be good. Um, I think trusting your people, um, they can achieve great things if you give them confidence, the ability to fail, you empower them to make things happen. Um, you know, most transformations are difficult and require change, and, and change is hard for people. You know, they want to know what's in that for, you know, what's in the change for them. Uh, you know, to me, it's, you know, lead, share the vision, and respect their desire to understand how it impacts them. Uh, but trust your people, challenge your people, and great things, I think, happen. Um, you know, over-communicate that changing for the future is not an indictment of the past. Uh, you know, too many times I've seen leaders who make change make their teams feel stupid or inadequate for processes and procedures which are currently in place. Uh, you know, focus more on the fact that the business has changed and therefore the processes need to change as well. Uh, many times those people made things happen with less resources or support and did the be best they could under the circumstances and in many cases did amazing things considering what they had available to them. So again, I think that focus, that change doesn't, you know, change for the future doesn't mean that the past was, uh, uh, was, was poorly done. Um, you know, transforming a business focuses a lot on people, processes, and technology. And to me, I think it's always, always remember that correct order. If you have great people, they'll come up with great processes and they'll implement great technology. Can you think of places where you've seen management that couldn't adhere to that? They got so caught in process or technology and they lost the sight of the fact that their people, be it good or bad, weren't able to carry it out and it was because of over-management that they weren't successful. I think there's several examples. I mean, I've seen, you know, come in, unfortunately come in, I think, late into some companies where the thought process was that technology would solve, solve things, you know, that the tools would solve things. Um, and, and I'm a firm believer that you hire good people, they come up with a great process, and then you automate it through technology. Uh, I think if you try to lead with, with technology as a solution for all your problems, uh, you tend to just get your problems faster. Um, you know, the, you automate it so you get your problems faster. Uh, so I think that's you know been something I see consistently. You're, you're bombarded constantly, uh, you know, in, in the executive suite with these tools and this technology, and this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And and a lot of the technology is fantastic that's out there, uh, but I think you really have to discern through what's going to help you make it happen. And the way to do that in my mind is to really have good people who can assemble requirements, who can understand what the business needs are, who can evaluate the technology to find the right fit, and then ultimately you implement technology to automate it and make it more scalable. Uh, but I think a lot of companies get that sequence of people, process, and technology in the wrong order and wonder why it doesn't work. Well, clearly, the Endon family has been fortunate to have you join three years ago, and TIC Gums has such a bright future. I'm sure I know I'm going to be anxious to watch what you guys are up to and to, for everybody else to watch the market and think about all that food that you're eating. You're probably involved in some way, shape, or form in what TIC is doing in the marketplace today. Brian, thank you very much for joining us. You've been uh, outstanding, and I know our listeners are going to learn a lot from having had you on this morning. Great. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a pleasure to be here. Take care. Have a nice day. Thank you.